Friends, hello campers, welcome back to Girls Camp. You know who it is, your host, Haley Rawl. I have the loveliest conversation in store for you today. I sit down with one of my best friends, Kylie Kadich, and Kylie grew up in Utah, but she is a never Mormon. And I have had this specific viewpoint, perspective, life experience requested multiple times because there are a lot of never Mormon listeners who have the Mormon connection because they grew up in Utah. And there are a lot of people fascinated by Utah and what it would be like to live in Utah and not be Mormon. So Kylie and I delve into all of that. Kylie is a social media influencer. She does Instagram, she does TikTok, and she does it phenomenally. We talk about this a bit in the episode, but we talk about her journey into influencing and kind of the influencer Mormon Utah connection, and we dig into why we think that is the case. But I just wanted to say off the top, Kylie is amazing. Go follow her on all platforms and you will have the time of your life. She is so entertaining. She is so fun and just a lovely, lovely person, which if you didn't already know that, you will soon find out in course of this conversation. One quick note, I do not say this at the beginning of the conversation, but I reference throughout the conversation, Alex. Alex is Kylie's husband and Esty. Esty is Kylie's daughter. Another note is Kylie and I end up discussing the Mormon theology around hell and the afterlife, but hell specifically, and I could not answer her question, which ended up being funny, and we talk about why the theology around hell might be ambiguous, but it was really interesting to reflect on the fact that I could not even recall the exact doctrine around hell and what Mormons think about hell and who gets second chances and where we wait, et cetera, et cetera. You'll hear all of it, but I just wanted to let you know you're probably going to be yelling at your phones or your car radio trying to correct me. I know I did not get the answer fully right, but the discussion is a good time anyway. For a campfire chat, I have a very exciting announcement. I can finally announce that we have a tote bag for the first Girls Camp merch item. I have announced this on Instagram and I'm doing a giveaway. So go to Girls Camp Podcast if you want to enter the giveaway for a tote and some other fun goodies. But this tote bag is not just any tote bag. It is custom embroidered in good old Provo, Utah. We took a lot of time to find the right bag that has enough weight to it, that has a really nice canvas feel, that has really thick woven straps. It's just such a good tote bag, and I am really particular about tote bags. I really am. And since I got the first sample, not even a sample, but the first bag that got embroidered, I went and picked it up and I have been using it for everything. I take it to the gym. I've used it as a diaper bag. I've been using it to go grocery shopping, to put groceries in. It's just the best bag ever. I think it's so cute and I am so excited to release it. We are working on getting the website up and running, so I'm not sure yet when it will be for sale, But stay tuned. All updates will be on Girls Camp Podcast Instagram. 
my dream of dreams is to be walking about in the wild, grocery shopping at the park, and to have my girls camp tote and spot another camper with their own tote across the way. That is my fantasy. That is what I'm manifesting. I cannot wait to have these tote bags out in the wild and to get them in your hands and across your shoulder because you're going to love it. That is all for today's intro. And now here is the conversation with Miss Kylie Kadich. Welcome, Kylie, to Girls Camp. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's about time. We have had so many conversations that were like, wait, we need to be recording. We this. should have been podcasting this. Yeah, we yeah. should have been podcasting this. I'm so excited to talk to you. I was thinking today, you're the first never Mormon I've had on the podcast. First never Mormon. The first never Mormon, which is kind of crazy. It is crazy. I was thinking about this interview and I'm like, Kylie kind of feels like an honorary post-Mormon. You're so steeped in it yeah. with so many people you're around in Mormonism and post-Mormonism, I'm sure. So I'm excited to talk about what all of that's like from a never Mormon perspective. I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay. I want to start out just setting the stage, getting some context. You grew up in Utah. So let's talk about your childhood in Utah and kind of when you first started you know, noticing Mormonism, if Mormonism played a part in your childhood, and if so, what that was like. Yeah, so grew up in a neighborhood where there were a lot of Mormons. I feel like the first time I remember like actively realizing, oh, I'm not Mormon and I'm different is when I was eight and Mm. everyone was getting baptized. And there would be little comments from friends being like, oh, my baptism is this weekend, but you can't come. Oh, you you won't be, like, you won't be there. Mm. And there would be parties after baptisms and I was not invited. And at the same time, in Catholic church, when I was going to Catholic school at the time, you go to your first communion. And first communion is you wear this huge white dress. It's so poofy. It's this totally different celebration. But at the same time, you're eight. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And so I remember hating it. I just felt so weird and different. Mm -hmm. And so all my friends were having baptisms and I had to go to my freaking first communion. (laughs) And that was when I first realized like I was different yeah. than a lot of the people around me, uh-huh. especially just in the neighborhood because at Catholic school, it wasn't like that. But then in the neighborhood, it very much was. And I definitely felt like an outcast for the first time when I was eight. Where in Utah did you live? We were in Holiday. Okay. Yeah. So up north Salt Lake area. Yeah. Did you start going to Catholic school from elementary school? Yeah. From kindergarten. Okay. Yep. Did you go to public high school or Catholic school all the way? All the way Catholic. So kindergarten through high school. Okay. Talk to me about that because I'm curious with your parents living in Utah, what brought them to Utah? I think that's always an interesting, not that every single person in Utah is Mormon, but oftentimes there's a Mormon connection. Yeah. So I'm curious what brought your family to Utah. And then if you know anything about the rationale for your parents to put you in Catholic school, if it had anything to do with the predominant Mormonism of Utah. So my dad grew up in North Dakota and he grew up Catholic And he went to Catholic school. So I think that was a little piece of it. But the biggest piece was that my mom grew up in Utah. She was born and raised here. And she was always not Mormon too. And being not Mormon in our generation is even less weird Mm. than my mom's generation. Yeah, My mom was so bullied all growing up for not being Mormon. When I say bullied, I think it might have been things as simple as exclusion. Yeah. Um, But she, she always felt like this outsider and that was so difficult for her and she knew that if she could give her kids a chance to not feel that way that she would because they were wanting to stay in utah because utah is 
amazing. She just wanted to make sure we didn't feel that way. And so my dad was like, well, I went to Catholic school. And when they looked into it, they realized that so many of these families weren't even Catholic. They were just people like my parents that were like, hey, we're in Utah. We don't want our kids to feel like outsiders. This is a chance for people of different religious diversity to come together and go to school together yeah, and not feel like the only non-Mormon The only non-Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about it the other day. My In my graduating class, there were like 160 people. Not one was Mormon. Not one single person. Not one. There was one that was like her family was, but she she was very much like... She didn't feel like she was. No, like she didn't go to church. Yeah. She kind of was, cousin wasn't, but one out of 160. That's fascinating, but it makes sense because if you live in Utah, the public schools are almost like Mormon schools. Yeah, for sure. There would be no reason really to. I know there's some actual Mormon like private schools and charter schools. Absolutely, More like a Catholic school, but... It seems like as a parent, if you are Mormon, there would be no reason to put your kid in a Catholic school. For sure. Or maybe if you lived elsewhere, you would feel like, oh, maybe the Catholic school is my best bet to have my kid have a religious, some religious education, you know? Yeah. Like, that's kind of an interesting thing. So you went to Catholic school from the very beginning. You said when you were eight, you started noticing okay, I'm not getting invited to these baptisms. There's maybe this dual thing that happens in Mormonism where it sucks to not get invited, but maybe getting invited can be tricky too in certain ways. You know, you can feel like you're being a project or someone's trying to convert you. So I'm curious if you ever felt any of that or if you would have rather been included if any of that came into play. That's such an interesting question because immediately when you said that, I just have this new memory of when I was probably like 13 and I went to my friend, I think it's called Young Women's. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. They were doing like a baking night or something. And we wanted to hang out that night. And I remember she was like, oh, just come with me to my Young Women's. And I remember coming home that night and crying. It was almost worse being surrounded by people, but feeling alone. Mm. And I remember they would ask me, which ward do you go to? And I had to explain to every single one of them, oh, I'm not. And it was like immediately they didn't want to really... At least this is what my 13-year-old self felt like. I felt like they immediately, that was kind of a turnoff for them Mm -hmm. to want to. So it wasn't even like they were trying to convert me. It was just kind of like a, okay. And, you know, a part of that too maybe could have been that they were all friends and I was this new girl. So that could have been just me feeling that way. Yeah, that's an interesting thing of like, what is better? Now that I'm thinking of it, I have this memory of being 13 and being like, oh, I almost wish I didn't go. Yeah. Because it's worse to feel surrounded by people but feel alone. Totally. Um, but at the same time, when I was eight, I just remember begging my mom to let me get baptized because I wanted to go to those parties. And eight-year-olds kind of say dumb stuff. Like, I remember people being like, well, my mom said you go to a weird church mm. and like being like, I don't go to a weird church. Yeah. I want to go to your church. <laughs> and so just like silly eight-year-old things where I think I would have loved to have just been invited by friends yeah. at eight. But I don't know what's better. It's so interesting hearing you tell that story of being a 13-year-old because literally for me, and I lived in Provo, I'm a little surprised maybe that even in holiday, it wasn't a little bit better than Provo was. Yeah. I think if I were a 13-year-old and I saw someone at the ward thing, I would say, what ward are you? And if they said, oh, I'm not a Mormon, I don't know if I would have known how to interact or respond. Really? That was how insulated I was. Yeah. I just didn't know people who weren't Mormon. And I don't think I would have really known how to just be a normal person, yeah. which is really interesting when you're thinking about 13-year-olds, how there's this really big wedge almost that Mormonism can create, not all the time, but I think especially in a Utah culture where Mormons in Utah are just not that used to interacting with people 
who aren't Mormon. Yeah. And it's probably gotten better. I think it's interesting what you said, that your experience was probably better than your mom's experience. For and sure. I think if you raise Esty, your daughter here in Utah, her experience will be way better probably than yours. For sure. Because things are changing in Utah. But I can think about myself as a 13-year-old. I would just be so surprised if someone my age was not a Mormon. I think that's an important thing to note too with how 13 year old might feel like that's exclusion or being rude. But the reality is just when you aren't exposed to other things, you don't know how to respond. And it's not any malintent. It's not rude. It's not wanting to exclude or wanting someone to feel vulnerable. It's that you literally don't know. Yeah. I just think that's an interesting thing to know is like so many of those girls probably just were like, I don't know what even to talk yeah, with you I don't about know right what to now. Say like next. Yeah. yeah. I feel so much more comfortable around the people that I am comfortable around. Like, totally. Yeah. I do think there's a big othering that happens maybe within Mormonism specifically, especially in Utah, because if there was, you know, someone who was Catholic and someone who was evangelical, it probably wouldn't feel that same way. No. As the Mormon, not Mormon dichotomy that Utah really puts people in yeah and that's why i think it's so interesting i'm so excited to keep talking to you about this because that was probably something you were up against your whole life and maybe still are in some ways of just being in utah you're almost classified as you're either mormon or you're not it doesn't really matter what you are besides not being mormon that's just kind of like how yeah no no one's really asked me after that as an adult if i meet other mormon friends yeah um especially just in like a group setting or at dinner they'll say are you mormon and i'll say no they never ask like oh are you part of a different faith Mm, interesting yeah Yeah, that's interesting to think about Mm -hmm. because i don't know if i even would at this point, ask that. Like, yeah. that's another really interesting thing to think yeah, about. Yeah, I think we just don't see other religions, and yeah. that's why. It is very much either you are Mormon or you left yeah. the Mormon church, and that's kind of, like, where it ends. Yeah. Where I think if we lived in a big city, it would be like, oh, do you practice another religion? Yeah, what is And it, it would be like, yeah, it would be like, oh, yeah, I'm yes. I'm non-denominational Christian. Like, yes. this is the church I go to. That's not even a thing here that you don't even think to ask it. Yeah, which is really interesting because I'm thinking, too, when I was on my mission in Germany, uh-huh. if I met someone who was Christian... I felt very similar to that person. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're, we're Christians here. But in Utah, I don't feel that way. Someone mm-hmm. being a Christian that's not Mormon, they feel very, very different. But I think elsewhere, there's more interfaith community, even amongst Mormons and other faiths. Yeah. Because they feel more similar to the Christians in the area than, you know, maybe people who are not religious or something like that. Yeah. I wonder why. Like, why yeah. do we feel this, like... You're in or you're out. Where in other places, it's much more just like religions are more maybe even respected. Yeah. It's a very interesting. That's a weird culture thing with Utah. It is really weird. I'm curious just hearing more about your upbringing. Did you identify as religious and spiritual yourself? When I was little, I think I really identified with Catholicism because I was going to a Catholic school and you go to mass every week. And like I said, I had reconciliation in my first communion and these special little milestones that you go through when you're Catholic. But I think by the time I was like 12 and, you know, my family wasn't really Catholic. It was like Catholic cosplay. Like we were, <laughs> it was like, you're going to Catholic school. Yeah. Let's embrace it. Yeah. But um, like we weren't, you know, 
doing Hail Marys at night. Yeah, it was something I identified with when I was young and like looking back over like my baby books and things like that. I loved like drawing crosses and and I would mm. do my prayers with my parents. Like I was really into it. And then by the time I was 12 and I was kind of thinking more for myself, it was just like, I just go to Catholic school. It wasn't really, I would never describe myself. If you met me in high school, I would never say I'm Catholic. I would just... I don't think I would say anything. I don't even know what I would say. It just didn't feel like a big identity piece for no, you. No, it was just like, that's just at school. Yeah. Did your parents ever talk to you about, hey, we live in Utah and so many people here are Mormon? Were you having conversations about Mormonism in your home? Were your parents ever saying like, this is what the Mormons think and do? Or how much did you know really about Mormonism? My dad is very interested in religions. And he has very strong opinions about some of the things mm. with the Mormon church that he would just openly discuss and be like, this is something they believe in, or this is something that happened recently. So I remember having conversations about Mormonism in my family, especially hearing my dad talk about things that were going on, even within like recent events. Never like big topic of this is what the Mormons are doing this way. Like it wasn't ever. Yeah. This is so fun to talk about with you because it really is crazy even to remember and to remind myself as a full grown ass adult woman still how insulated my world is where now it's less mormons but it's post-mormons and even post-mormonism is such a shared experience yeah and i think when you were saying that i was realizing it feels almost hard for me to comprehend that you could live in utah and mormonism could just not be that big of a deal for yeah. you. Oh yeah. I'm so fascinated by it as an adult mm -hmm. because now religion in general is just so fascinating to me. I feel like now I'm really learning more about it because it's interesting. Yeah. In high school, I was busy worrying about boys. Yeah. 100%. What I was going to be wearing on Friday night. 100%. I did not care about learning anything about the Mormon church. Yeah. So it just was very separate. And I actually feel like I kind of liked being not Mormon sometimes in high school because I feel like it gave me this like bad girl vibe oh 100 give me this cool girl vibe because i would meet friends from public school and they'd be like you're not mormon i'd be like no and they'd be like, like i'm different i'm different i'm not like the other girls I'm just like kind of a different girl you i'm just know? kind of a cool girl <laughs> and i feel like there was part of me that almost kind of liked it a little bit by the time i was in high school all my community wasn't mormon so i didn't feel excluded and then the people that were mormon that would ask me if i was mormon they would think that's so fascinating that I wasn't, that they were like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, just not Mormon. You know, just kind of cool. And just you a dog. little different that way. <laughs> just a little different that way. Interesting. Yeah. So but it wasn't really a part of my life at yeah. all. I feel like a lot of people ask, and I want to ask you this, if you wish you didn't live in Utah because of the Mormon thing, some people, maybe people who have never been Mormon, are kind of confused about just Utah in general. Utah itself is just yeah. a very fascinating yeah. thing. But I think there's this idea that Mormonism is just so dominant in Utah, which is true. Yeah. But there's also huge pockets of community where Mormonism just isn't a big deal. And I almost think Mormons flatter themselves sometimes, or me even as a post-Mormon, to think, oh, if you lived in Utah, your whole childhood must have been concerned in some way with Mormonism. But there's also these communities where that's just not the case. And I'm curious to hear if that seems true to you. And looking at your upbringing in Utah, if you liked being raised in Utah, mm -hmm. what parts of being in Utah or a Mormon culture bumping up against you, maybe even in a more, you know, diverse community, 
was it affecting you in negative ways, in positive ways? Just kind of like if you could sum up growing up in Utah, what would you say? I think what you said is spot on with it being pockets. It's funny. I was asking a group of friends the other day. They grew up in Utah County Mm. and kind of had a faith transition in high school. And I was like, would you guys be honest? Like, should I move to, you know, Utah County? And they were like, no, oh my gosh, no, it's the worst place. You could never move. And I was like, whoa, it was like crazy to see this very strong reaction. And Mm -hmm. they were like, SU will have the worst experience, like really intense. And I was kind of like, what? I mean, sure, I went to Catholic school, but I didn't feel that way. Again, this is speaking past like the age of eight, because when you're little, it's just like you want to fit in. Yes. Even in general, like I didn't feel weird in my neighborhood by the time I was in high school. Like I said, I would meet friends from public school that were totally Mormon. Wasn't a big deal. It, I think, is because living in holiday, going to school in downtown Salt Lake City, there was just more religious diversity that it just wasn't a big deal. But I think if I lived in Utah County, my experience could have been completely different Mm. because this group of friends I talked to about that had a completely different experience. Yeah, And I definitely think your experience is going to depend on what area you live in, what pocket of Utah you're in. The furthest south a Catholic school goes is Draper. You can't even find one. Yeah, south of Draper. Yeah, there would be no one there. Yeah, makes sense. So that says a lot too, you know what I (laughs) mean? Yeah, totally. Where, you know, you can have a Catholic school or a different, there's a Jewish school downtown Salt Lake. There is these options for religious diversity because they exist, where they don't even exist in Utah County. So I think that experience is going to be different. Totally. Um, Totally. And it sounds like your parents... It seems like a good call that you went to Catholic school in a lot of ways. And maybe public school would have been great in different ways, too. But it seems like your mom was conscious of, I want to make sure that my children have a religious diversity so they're maybe not in the same situation I was growing up. Yeah, that's super interesting. But you feel the effects of Mormon culture even not being, Mm. I don't know how to put this. Yeah, even not being in an area that is really heavily LDS, you still feel those byproducts of Mormon culture. If that makes sense. Yeah. Tell me about it. Like a byproduct, I feel like, of Mormon culture is everyone in Utah is perfect. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. All the people in Utah are perfect. And there was definitely still this feeling I had growing up in Utah of like needing to have it all together. And when I look back at my childhood, I do think that that was a part of living in Utah. So when you ask about living in Utah, I do think that there was, even though I wasn't faced with that uh, challenge of being uh, different because there was some religious diversity, I still feel like living in Utah made me feel like I needed to be perfect a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. And I think that might be a byproduct of the Mormon church. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a perfectionism culture in Mormonism for a lot of reasons. There's like an industriousness complex, a productivity kind of pressure as a Mormon. There's a lot of appearance-based things with Mormon women, especially. There's a lot of statistics to back all of that up. So it makes sense that you would still be feeling that because, you know, that's what you're around. Totally. I'm curious as a teenager, because one of the biggest things being a Mormon teenager is dating and sex and there's just a really different high school culture when you're mormon yeah then just the yours shocks me yeah than the average human than the average teenager yeah so do you feel like you had a pretty average high school experience Yes, I almost feel like I was more wild because of counterculture. Like I said, when people found out I wasn't Mormon, they immediately were like, bad girl. And I feel like I had to live up to that. 
Like I was so crazy in high school. Crazy. Drugs, sex. Like what do you mean by crazy? Not really drugs and alcohol, but extremely sexually promiscuous. Mm. Um, Extremely rebellious in other ways. Not with alcohol and drugs, but like sneaking out all the time. All the time. Would drive cars at 14, 15, 2 a.m. Yeah, to go do stuff with boys. Was having sex by the time I was 15, 14, ninth Mm. grade. Very different than I think what the average Utah County's high school experience would be like. Hearing like you talk about how you weren't sure about birth control in high school because it wasn't ever talked. That was never taught to you. Yeah. That like shocks me to my core because I remember in fifth grade learning about birth control because that was a part of our class because in private school, you don't have to have it go through the Utah education system. You can be. And so all the parents were like, no, you better be teaching these kids about sex. Yeah. And so we were. And then my mom on top of that would teach us about, you know, I could tell my mom when I was having sex and she didn't like it, but she knew about she it. She knew about it and could teach you best practices. Yeah, she was like, you better freaking get an IED. Yeah. And I did. It's so crazy. We were talking about this the other night, but I told you we were I with was, Carly. You need to tell that. because No, I was, okay. Carly and I, sorry, Carly, so I'm outing you. Funny. We both, and I'm sure there's so many people listening who felt this way. I literally thought I was going to get pregnant and I had not had penetrative sex and would like pray, like <laughs> God, please don't I'm let me get pregnant. I'm picturing Haley like kissing a boy and you're like. No, seriously. So sorry, thinking please. I was going to get pregnant from like Carly crazy. and I were talking about it. Like if you were making out in a hot tub or things like that. And it's crazy because rationally I knew what sex was and I knew no sperm has to actually enter your body. Yeah. But I think that speaks to how deeply shame i was gonna say it's shame it can distort rationality absolutely i think why i find this so funny is you're the smartest person i know <laughs> so like every nice. time i talk to you i'm like i'm mesmerized you are the smartest person i know and so for you to tell me you know kylie when i was 18 years old mm-hmm. i would be making out and i would be like do i need a plan b like yeah. no you wouldn't even know what that is probably yeah no I but didn't. like that's what's crazy to me is because it's not i think so many people think mormons are I don't even want to say it because it's just so untrue. People will be like, oh, that's just dumb. Yes. That's just dumb. You don't yes. know about that? Dumb. Or naive. Yeah. No, it's not. It is not dumb. It is truly the power of fear mm-hmm. and being so ashamed that your brain can't even work work to figure no, out seriously. that like, oh, wait, hang on. It's interesting because you're not the first person I've heard talk about this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just so fascinated about it with you because you're the most intelligent person you're I know. So, nice. so I'm like... If even Haley at 18 was thinking these are ways you could get pregnant, yeah. this shows that this is not like yes. this is truly just a it's a deeper it's a deeper it's thing. It's a deeper thing. Yeah. Totally. Anything I learned about sex was very secondhand. Where if I had just learned about that from an adult or in a class where it was like, hey, this is how our anatomy works, this is how you have sex, this is how babies are made, etc. Yeah. Very basic, very, very basic things it would have taken away this feeling of like, maybe I don't actually get it. Maybe I don't actually understand because things I had learned were through talking to friends or like watching a movie. No one had ever really truly sat me down and And been like, this is sex. This is how it works. So you're piecing things together. From not trusted adults. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you just feel deep shame and fear. And lost. You don't know the actual true... truth behind any of it exactly and it is a very complex thing we shouldn't you know i shouldn't say that it's not because it's not i mean there are times even as an adult i'm like 
was that like are we yeah. good Alex no, like totally. it's a very complex thing <laughs> totally but I mean yeah not hearing any of that information from a trusted adult in your life would make that a million times harder totally. to navigate that's why abstinence only it's proven not to work I'm shocked that it's still a thing because it's just proven not to even work to prevent pregnancy yeah and obviously it's steeped in fear and shame so I'm glad that your experience was different than that and yeah. that you felt like, you, you know, you said your mom maybe wasn't cheering you on necessarily, but you had a trusted adult. You felt like you could tell her you could get on birth control, yeah, et cetera. You were talking about maybe kind of a rebelliousness against what you sensed was the predominant culture, yeah. being a little counterculture. Did you ever feel any of that guilt and shame we're talking about? Was that ever projected onto you? Or were you kind of in a counterculture bubble, if you will, or in enough of a counterculture space that other people in that space were also doing those things? Basically, did you feel shame for being sexually promiscuous, for example, in high school? Yeah, I did. I still remember when I was in eighth grade, moms were gossiping about me being a slut moms moms yeah and that continued in high school like i remember being at it was like a dance concert thing and like moms like whispering and i knew they were talking about me and i was dressed like a little silly girl in my, <laughs> in my little tiny and i knew they were For talking a dance about me competition yeah. yeah that's icky it was really icky and it's i still remember it yeah i bet um and i do looking back to i do think like i told you i i feel like i had this expectation to be counterculture and so I wanted to live up to that and so even just from my own self I look back at high school me and I I feel even regret I don't think I feel shame but I feel regret and wish wish I didn't do things that I hope I can talk with Esty about and Mm. you know I wish I wasn't as sexually promiscuous because I didn't need to be yeah the worst memories I remember is adults it's like kids whatever I didn't care if a classmate called me slut Mm mm-hmm but adults. Yeah, and I remember being different. like, that's really icky. And I think that actually happens a lot in Utah. Yeah, I bet. Well, it stands out more. And not that Mormon teenagers aren't having sex, etc. It's just a lot more taboo. Yeah. And so even if your mom was more progressive and accepting, it doesn't mean that everybody else in the neighborhood or in the, the dance moms are all going to feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that really sucks to have still feel that and have that projected onto you, even from a belief system that you don't adhere to at all totally yeah totally and I think when you're a kid it just feeds into a narrative of like well that's what I am and I almost wonder if like I didn't feel that counterculture or feel those things if I would have been different yeah just from that time it was like well you're not the not Mormon so you got to represent that yeah <laughs> like, totally by the time I was in college like very similar you yeah. didn't feel that way no and now I'm like the most mellow I feel like I'm out of all my friends yeah like, I don't even drink I'm like the opposite now I like got uh-huh. it out of my system so young that uh-huh. I'm a very passing Mormon actually you are which I want to talk about there's a couple things I want to talk about I want to talk about dating mm-hmm. and what that looked like in Utah because you went to college in Utah yeah. as well I want to talk about Alex, because Alex is post-Mormon. Yes. So you married into post-Mormonism. And I want to talk about influencing, because I think there's a lot to talk about with the Utah Mormon crossover with influencing. So you were in college at University of Utah. Yep. What was it like going to college there with Mormon stuff? And then you met Alex in college, right? Yep. Talk me through that story. Going to college, dating as a non-Mormon at University of Utah up until meeting Alex. Yeah, it really didn't affect me that much, actually. I felt like a lot of the people I was meeting were from out of state. And so it felt very much like high school, where Mm -hmm. there was still a lot of diversity. And even though 
there were a lot of Mormons. I also think at that time, by the time you're an adult, I feel like, you know, you're not going to be that eight-year-old girl that's like, you're bad because you're, you're not going to say that. No one ever made me feel bad for not being Mormon. So in college, it didn't really, it was never a, a huge thing for me. I think I had a lot of really diverse friends from out of state. That makes sense. I feel like University of Utah too, not that plenty of Mormons don't go to University of Utah as well, but obviously a lot of Mormons who live in Utah are going to go to BYU. Exactly, yeah. So it's probably, yeah, just a different culture. And there's so many people that I feel like you just come up with your own sub, like subsets of communities totally. You find where I people. think if you are a very active Mormon, you're going to find other really active Mormons at the University of Utah and be with them. And I yeah. feel like I found a lot of out-of-state friends and I really was with them. So it wasn't really, not that it was like us versus them, that sounds weird, but those are just the people you find in such a big school. You can't totally. be intertwined with everyone. So you find the people that you have commonality with. Totally. And I think that it just never really, I almost like don't even know that many Mormons from college, even though I was in Utah. It wasn't really found, big. Yeah. Yeah. And if people. it was, it was just like, that was like the least interesting thing about totally. them. Totally. And it just, they never made me feel weird. I never made them feel weird. Really good respect with cool. everyone that was active LDS. Very cool. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk about meeting Alex. He was pretty out of the church or was he fully out of the church by the time you met he was fully out okay. of the church his and i feel like i, I can't speak too much because it's his experience but his transition was pretty like casual the night we met actually someone came up to him we met at the library and someone came up to him and kind of asked him something that was like a church slogan or something i didn't recognize mm. and i was like oh, what was that and he was like oh i uh, it was like a year ago I went to, and it was like, I remember thinking, oh, church a year ago. I wonder if he's still active. Mm -hmm. Like it was in the back of my mind the night we met. And then by the end of that night, it somehow was like clear that like he wasn't anymore. And I was like, oh, I'll figure that out later. And I think he was like six or seven months not going to church at the mm -hmm. time we met. Did Mormonism, I guess, play, do you feel like a role in your relationship or your marriage? Was that ever something you two had to like talk about or a dress in any way or was it maybe just kind of a non-issue i think one thing that's interesting with alex's story is he didn't grow up in utah and so he was always kind of the weirdo. I remember him telling me like in high school, going to seminary, there was only like five of them or so. Like, it was small. Yeah. Don't hold me to five, but there was it was small. Yeah. His friends all were like weird Kadich for being a Mormon. Yeah. And like going back to Fresno, I hope he's okay with me saying this, but even going back to Fresno, he's like, gosh, it feels so weird because like my high school friends don't know me. Mm. As deep as they could have. Mm. Um, because he was just he, you know. So I think I don't know if he had this like really set idea of marrying Mormon because he grew up in a diverse area where yeah. it wasn't so like those were his only options. Yeah. Because I think there weren't really that many Mormon girls that he had crushes on in high school. So totally. But I don't know the full answer to that. Yeah. Like that I would have to ask him. Yeah. No, that's a great context piece though. Do you feel like when you were dating before meeting Alex, did you ever date Mormons? Was it ever like, oh, I'm going to specifically not date Mormons? Or was it just the same, like never really crossed your sphere or your radar? No, I feel like I would date a Mormon. I feel like I was so confident in my beliefs that I would just be like, as long as you're cool, that, I, that I'm not going to be LDS. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Just naturally, I think you like attract people that are probably going to be comfortable with you yep, too. Totally. And so just naturally, I didn't really date active LDS members because our lives would be so fundamentally different. Obviously, Utah is weird. And we'll get more into this too. Like there's a lot of weirdness. There is a lot of Mormon culture that seeps into everything, even legislation and, you know, even to a government level. However, again, it's not 
the whole thing. Mormonism has, I guess, less power than I think people maybe give credit to Mormonism for, which I think is an important thing to know. Because I think there's just a narrative of Mormonism rules Utah. Especially area. Yes. I've had people DM me before and they're like, Kylie, I'm moving to Utah. I know you're not Mormon. Am I going to be okay? And the first question I always ask is, what area are you moving to? And the second they say Provo, I'm like, you're going to be okay, but (laughs) buckle up, baby. When they say- Start looking elsewhere. When they're like, Salt Lake, I'm moving to Liberty Wells. I'm like, oh, you're fine. Totally. You're fine. I would almost be worried if you were Mormon. Like, you're you're good. It's not everywhere in Utah. There's definitely hotter pockets, Mm -hmm. but- that I also think it's just getting better. I think that people are realizing that we can live without weird yes. culture, counterculture, and like you're in, I'm out. Like we can respect each other. Yes. Being active members and being non-active members. And totally. Yeah. If you raise Esty here in Utah, she will just have a different experience. And I think yeah, it's I think getting, so. Utah itself is getting better as it's just... That's kind of what's happening on a grand scale. I think with religion generally, with Mormonism specifically, we're going to have to get better or Mormons are going to have to get better than they have been historically at just coexisting with yeah. people who are not Mormon, even in Utah. Let's talk about the influencer aspect. Yes. Um, we live in the land of influencers. Yes. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. We talk about it a lot. But I think there is obviously, I think anyone, even people who are not from Utah or connected to Mormonism, there's a pretty clear Utah Mormonism influencer kind of connection. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to hear about your journey in influencing, A, because it's just really interesting anyway, and B, I'm curious if you feel like any of that was impacted by being in Utah, by the people you were around in Utah, kind of what led you to this line of work and kind of what you see being an influencer with those Mormon connections to influencing well i i don't know if i would have done this if i wasn't in utah some days i wonder that because it's just such a normal thing in utah i think it's awesome like i think it's cool that so many people are willing to try different creative things and share it online and um how did you get into it do you feel like you saw people around you doing it and it was like oh that's something that interests me what led you to influencing and then how did you start seeing it as a viable career well i do think that like a lot of people in utah were doing it and it made me feel like cool i want to start doing it so many people were doing photography at the time these were people i would just see online not like anyone in my real life but i would be like hey i want to do photography too. This looks so cool. And a lot of the people in retrospect that I was looking at that I was loving, they're all they're all Mormon. Mm-hmm. They were all these Mormon Utah photographers. Those were the people that really inspired me to like get trying photography. And so I picked up a camera in 2017 and just started trying photography. I remember taking photos of like random things around my house. Then I started getting clients and like building up a portfolio. And then I was like, I actually want to be in these pictures and I want to be able to be these bloggers. Like this looks fun. Like Mm. I already love the photo side. Like I want to be in them. And so then I started getting in front of the lens more and then it just kind of happened from there. But yeah, it's funny looking back, like all the people I looked up to, whether I knew it or not, they were all Mormon. Yeah. Influencing is so deeply not underrated I think people, more than anything I've ever seen, discount the ingenuity (laughs) that goes into influencing. And being friends with you, I'm literally so in awe of 
the strategy and the business mindedness that goes into especially your brand of influencing. Like I feel stupid even calling it influencing because that just has such a connotation, right? But it shouldn't have a connotation because influencers are really, really, really smart. You're really, really, really smart. And I think it's really interesting to look at everything that goes into influencing and that goes into people's perspective of influencers and why they can be so easily discounted and because so many of them are Mormon women or mm-hmm. were Mormon women mm-hmm. at some point, how that all connects. It totally reflects in the culture. Yes. Women do so much in the house that doesn't get recognized. Women do so much for business with influencing and yeah. it's just discounted. It's just, oh, they're just, they're just posting online. They're just posting silly things online. But the women that really started the OG influencing, they're hustlers. Big time. They are big business women. Like yes. They are some of the smartest. Yeah, they're incredible. Yes. And I think you're right that it gets discounted a lot because it's just, oh, you're just, you're just a woman. And I think that's a byproduct, unfortunately, of some toxic things that are in Utah culture. Yeah. Men always rule business and women, oh yeah, you can be trying to be as like business oriented as men, but you're never going to be. Totally. You're not the man. Like Totally. You have to be really savvy to be able to not only do it, but then make it, you to monetize it to the exactly. way. And, and the women that started it, genius genius truly genius yeah one of the things that i find really fascinating about the influencer mormon crossover is the mommy blogging maybe not even necessarily moms but the domestic influencer types oh it's so fascinating it's so fascinating because to what you were just saying it makes so much sense right when there are mormon women who are told your job is to be in the home Mm -hmm. your job is to keep a beautiful household and make beautiful dinners and raise beautiful children. Mm -hmm. They're able to do that. And then they're able to monetize doing that. Yes. Which obviously there are, I think, some ethical implications when children are involved. And there's, there's maybe something to be said about the children piece specifically. But I think it's genius to yeah. say, this is what you told me to do, yeah. so I'm going to do it, but I'm going to fucking make some money by taking photos of it and putting it on the internet. Yep, yep. And they did. Yep, and Americans eat it up. Yes. I think it's interesting, and I think one of the reasons that Mormons are so good at it, one, Mormons are really pretty. <laughs> it's yeah, just a thing. True. Mormons are <laughs> stunning. Mormons start popping out babies at 20 years old. Mm. There are not that many places in the U.S. where at 20 years old, you have three kids, a big-ass house, and you're also blonde stunning and have big old yitties like you are mm-hmm. like you don't see that like that is crazy it's and so unique. that's why they people would eat that up the mormon influencers also had this lifestyle that americans love we love it we love seeing a young mom who's super hot who has a big house like they had they had the perfect opportunity to dominate because they were they were what we were seeing on tv yes like they were that's the reason all those disney movies are filmed here the beautiful family they're all popping out babies super young and people were fascinated and so i think that's why the mommy blogger grew the way it did is because it was exactly what americans wanted to see because it's incredibly aspirational for other mormon moms or for even mormon teens i know there's like a big group of Mormon teens who follow these influencers and think that's what I want in my life. But when you look outside of that, these Mormon mommy bloggers tapped into something that everyone was really fascinated by. And whether they were fascinated by it or they were inspired by it, 
it was unique enough that it captured the attention of massive audiences. I mean, it did for me. That's why yeah. I got started. Yes. Like I would look at these moms and I'd be like, gosh, I love those photos they're sharing. Mm-hmm. I remember Kara Loren. I remember yes. loving all of those family photos and those family and being like, wow, she's only like a year older than me. Like she already had like three kids by the time yeah. I was in college or maybe two and a beautiful home. And it was very aspirational. And that was me and non-Mormon feeling those things. So I think not only did they serve their communities really well, which was what the Mormon church wanted. They told their members to get online and start yeah. sharing. Yeah. But even non-Mormons were like, wow, this is really wholesome, amazing mm-hmm. content that we can't get enough of. Yeah. And it's, Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. It gets really, it gets really complicated because there's this piece we were speaking to where I find it incredibly empowering, completely genius. Yeah. And then there's another piece of it, potentially kind of an underside or the underbelly, which is there's a presentation of something, especially when Mormons are doing it. But then there's either a misunderstanding or just a complete lack of knowledge around what Mormonism even is, even though Mormonism is fueling so much of the lifestyle that's being presented. Yeah, no one really knows still. Yeah. Like I still will have people ask like, so are they polygamist? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even though they're front and center stage, people still don't understand what the LDS faith is. And it's totally and not to speak to any one influencer specifically, but speaking of this kind of genre of influencing where it's the moms posting of their kids and their families, it is beautiful and lovely in one sense, but there's also this, I guess, again, underside. And maybe these moms posting didn't feel this way, but for me, there's a lot of really complicated things that come with being a young mom, being a really young mom, having a lot of kids quickly. There's a lot of you know, pressure to do that in the Mormon church. There's a lot of overwhelm that comes with doing that. So I think it's interesting when we're portraying this lifestyle one way when that's not always necessarily the reality, which, duh, that's not a hot take. That's like kind of how the internet operates, right? Yes, of course. It's not real. Yeah. But I do find it interesting as I've been more vocally post-Mormon and connecting with more never-Mormons who are not connected to Utah. Sometimes there's a surprise of when they're hearing more about Mormonism from me, so obviously a biased perspective as a post-Mormon, but there's a surprise of, wait, I've followed these certain people for so long who are active Mormons. I had no idea all of what went into Mormonism. And then Mm -hmm. they're surprised by it. And I think that's an interesting dynamic too. But to your point, it does serve the church really well if they're presenting something that looks really lovely and wonderful. And they're also Mormons. Like, yeah, it's great advertising for the absolutely. church. But now there's a lot of them. A lot of the original bloggers and influencers that started out Mormon have left. Mormonism. I was going to say, but now they're all gone. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much there. But I think it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. Now that you feel you have a thriving career online, I guess I'm curious being part of that sphere and seeing... You know, you have, I'm sure, Mormon friends who influence and post-Mormon friends and non-Mormon friends. Do you feel like Mormonism is still, I guess, a big part of that space? Or how does that feel for you being part of that space, like with that Mormon aspect? Or do you think it's sort of faded, maybe? I think it's fading. Mm. I think it's not as, you know, the 2010 to 2015 blogger, I think it was a different world. Like, Mm -hmm. And I think 2010 might be too early. Forget the 
no, you know, the, the beginning know. of it. Yeah. I think that was a world where it was more, you kind of were, you weren't. I think now there's a lot more, like you said, there's definitely, there are Mormon influencers, there are posts, there are non, there, but I think the space has grown so much that I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Like I think now, like there's a spot for everybody at the table. If you are an LDS influencer, there's a spot for you and you can talk about your faith and you're going to find an amazing community and there's going to be post-Mormon influencers and they're going to find an amazing community and there's going to be non-Mormon. And like there's yeah. so much now. There, there's been such an expansion that there's space. Yeah. Um, but it was just fascinating in the beginning to see such a domination from mm-hmm. one community. But yeah. I think now it's not. Yeah. I don't think it's like that anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm thinking too of TikTok, which is so the platform of TikTok is so much more conducive to a diversity of influencing types than Instagram mm-hmm. was. And just thinking of your answer to that question and thinking about even my niche on social media of doing post Mormon stuff, that just is never going to do as well on an Instagram platform as compared to TikTok or YouTube. And as the landscape of social media changes, I think there's more opportunity, like you're saying. And again, not that it was ever just a Mormon thing to do that influencing, but I think that particular brand of influencing did really well for the time for the social media landscape. This might be like too much to say, but I feel like I almost feel like if someone is really active LDS, they might feel scared to talk about that now Mm. because of the landscape changing and because there is now so many things that are like openly talked about. I feel like I said that. I was like, oh no, you can be inactive. But I almost wonder if they feel like, no, I feel like I can't really be as active anymore because people won't like that. Yeah, And that's just an interesting thing that's shifting too. I I almost feel like, gosh, how is that for active Mormons? And I can't speak to it because it's not my experience, but- I would be interested to know if that's something people feel. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it was Because I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be either. And there's a lot of, there's a lot more media about Mormons that's that why, has Yeah, that's out. why I say yeah. it. Because I think that there's just so much more that's totally. come out that makes people really fiery. And I think if someone is an active LDS member and they want to celebrate that, they it might not be as welcomed yeah. than it, when it was in 2014. Yes. It's certainly more complicated, exactly. I think, how people talk about it. I think so too, because I don't think it's as, I, I don't see it as much really. Yeah. And it, totally in 2014, same. it was very like, you knew, you knew who totally. was and wasn't. And now there's a lot of gray. Like, are they still active? Yep. Are they? I'm not sure, you know? Yeah. And back yeah. then it was like, oh, you knew. Oh, that's so interesting, too, because I feel like these original mommy bloggers, too, so many of them have either left the church or have really pretty publicly been not typical Mormon. Yes, that's a very... I actually have questions about that. Yeah. Okay, so you know that now that I'm an adult, I'm fascinated by Mormonism. Yes. Because I don't get this. Yeah. This is something that like... And I'd love your answer if you feel comfortable answering it because like as a non-Mormon... I don't get that. I see a lot of people that are like, I am actively Mormon, but I actively drink. Can you explain that to me? Is that even explainable? Or there'll be really active Mormons that cuss like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, I was terrified to say shit on Instagram for years Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to offend my LDS following. Yeah. I was like, I felt like I kind of had to play a role of, I had to put on a Mormon hat sometimes because I, I wanted to not be offensive. So now seeing just so many, I mean, I don't care about any of this, yeah, but I just think that that's like the yeah. drinking thing is a huge yeah. one. That's a really big one. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying all this and I have no idea. No, I don't know any of it because I've never been Mormon, but I think of Mormon friends I do know mm-hmm. 
that they they do not drink. And if they did, that would be a huge deal. Totally. They would have a huge complex over it. Yep. And so to see people so publicly be like, no, I'm going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like I I actively drink, I smoke, I Mm -hmm. do all these things that are very... Anyways, can you... Like what what is that? What is Uh, that? I have so many thoughts on it. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I want to preface this and disclaim this by saying really, truly, no judgment, truly. People who find their own ways, I have come to a place where I really respect that. I think I had a lot of maybe jealousy or resentment for a long time in my post-Mormon journey where when I saw, even when I had left the church and I saw people saying I'm Mormon and they weren't wearing their garments, it upset me. Yeah. And it made me feel like, well, I wasn't allowed to do that. You went through a lot of pain yes. to, 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 to conform yeah. and seeing people who are not conforming but are still claiming have the benefit the of identity both. of LDS felt frustrating and triggering. I really feel past that. It, here's what I think. I think people finding flexibility within Mormonism, which is not inherently flexible, which on paper is pretty rigid and black and white. I think people finding their own flexibility and making it work for them, I can admire that in a big way. And I think why it's happening, I would guess, is because kind of what you were talking about before, maybe Mormonism feels more complicated in the online sphere and people are wanting to say, you know, yes, I'm Mormon, but yeah, I'm also an ally or I'm also yeah. a little more flexible. Like, don't get the wrong idea about me because I'm Mormon. So maybe there's a little bit of that. You bring up ally. I forgot there was a whole other. Yeah. That like, one just feels so like, well, yeah, every human should be. Yeah, exactly. The drinking thing is more exactly. of like, that's a choice. But people might question that yeah. if you are of saying course. you're active Mormon. Uh, yeah. So I think there's maybe a need to say, yes, I'm Mormon, but I'm also going to kind of differentiate myself from some of these, you could either call them stereotypes of Mormons, or you could say there's certain doctrines associated with Mormonism that are going to make people wonder about if you're an ally or if you're maybe even just, I hate to use this word, but like a normal person, (laughs) you know, like people might feel shy to say like, oh, I don't drink coffee or alcohol, where before maybe there was like, oh, that's so wholesome. Now people might think that's kind of strange. Why don't you do that? I feel beyond the judgment of people who do that publicly. The thing that I feel like gets a little bit complicated, maybe problematic, is when people say, I'm a Mormon and I drink. Let's use drinking as an example. But it's okay because I still identify as Mormon. I still go to church and I'm still like warmly accepted there. I'm so happy if they are. I do think it's a little problematic because it's really not supported by... I was going to say, what does the church say? Yeah, it's not. It's not supported by Mormonism. Like, what does the church think for people that drink? Like, does it mean like your salvation's at stake? Yes, it means... Here's the interesting thing, because I hear a rhetoric where people will say, church is not for saints, it's for sinners, right? Like, you can Uh go to church even if you're not perfect, which is beautiful and wonderful. However, I think there's a difference between being a, quote, sinner and still choosing to go to church versus saying, I drink because I do not view this as a sin, right? Yeah, yeah. That seems like a really important distinction to me. Yeah. So I sometimes feel a little bit confused when I see people say, yeah, I go to church even though I sin because it makes me feel like, oh, are you still feeling guilt and shame around a decision you're making that you feel like is best for you or just doing something you want to do? 
that feels different to me than saying like, hey, I don't think this is bad or wrong. That's why I do it. But I still enjoy going to church. It's fulfilling to me. So I go to church too. Yeah, which is totally different. And I totally see yeah. the, do you see that the value distinction? in that. Absolutely. It's a subtle distinction. But I, the reason I think it's important is because I well, feel like... Well, it means totally two different things. Exactly. I think one is one where it's like, hey, I'm making a boundary for myself. This is truly how I align. But this faith really fills my cup. And this is something that I still... This is just the one thing that's just a tricky thing for me, but mm-hmm. I've come to terms with that. And this, I don't know. I, I think there is a distinction there because there's a there's a more confident answer in it. Yes. Where an outsider, I'm like, what does that mean? Because I'm like, does that mean, do you think you're going to hell, but you still go? Exactly. That sounds awful. And I yeah. feel so scared that you would want to put yourself in a position that would make you feel that way. Yep. Be, and so that, and then I'm like, oh, so the, do they just not care? I want to ask people that do some of those things. What does this mean to you? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know any of the doctrine. I have no idea what some of these things are. I asked a post-Mormon friend the other day, I go, do they think I'm going to hell? And she had to be like, well... Mm. the hell is an so interesting babe. one yeah kind of but they she was like but you, honestly she told me she was like but you're in a better spot than me yes. because you can be baptized mm-hmm. they i was presented it and i denied it and i was like sweet yeah so, i'm in a good spot yeah so if you die if yeah, we yeah, both die right now you will have the I'm opportunity going to, to accept the gospel yeah, yeah. in heaven so you don't have to do any of it here celestial <laughs> kingdom is for me you literally can yeah that's almost better this is a confusing thing to me because I'll have people, I'll see people online saying like, I respect you and I love everyone. And it's so great that you're not Mormon. And I love you for not being Mormon. And I want to just ask them like, hey, I know you love me for not being Mormon, but do you think I'm going to go to hell? Mm. Because that makes me so sad. Yeah. Do you think, do you really think that? And I don't know anything truly about the doctrine that these are just questions I like sit with at night when I'm like, what do they mean by that? Mm. Like, what do they mean when they say they love me? Okay, this but is do so they think I'm a bad person? Like, I want to ask them. Because mm. my Mormon friends that are my friends would say absolutely not. And I know that they genuinely mean that. But they're also low-key. They've also had some, like, interesting things to say to me about what they really think of the church. But I want to go up to someone that's really faithful. Like and a literal says, believer. Yes, and really, and they, but they say they love me. I want to ask them. Yeah. Like, hey, I know you love me, but do you think me and my baby are going to hell? Genuinely, what's the answer? Yeah. I saw a TikTok and someone was saying... Stop telling me I can't be offended by Christian beliefs because Christian beliefs say that a non-believer is going to hell. I will say I did a TikTok where I was like, yeah, Mormon God thinks I'm going to go to hell. It was the audio of it's not that deep or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I'm going to go to hell for wearing a tank top and drinking coffee. Because you are. Because I am. Yeah. But it's a little bit more complicated than that in Mormonism because Mormonism believes in three levels of (laughs) it's so okay. When you die, if you have not accepted the gospel, you will go to a place called spirit prison. This is the waiting room, right? Yes. My friend described this as a lobby. Such a good way of describing it. Okay. There's a waiting room. You will wait there until Jesus Christ comes on earth again, and then you will have the opportunity to accept the gospel or not. If you do accept the gospel, I don't even know if you can go to the celestial kingdom. There's three kingdoms of... The, the top celestial one, is the best one, celestial's right? Celestial's best. That's the one I know the name of. Terrestrial and telestial. I need to brush up on this. It's so weirdly complicated. But I'm pretty sure you have the chance to go to maybe not the celestial, but maybe the middle one. But maybe What's the that celestial. One like? And like that's medium the weird good? thing. It's pretty vague. Lukewarm coffee? It's like pretty vague. They say that the bottom kingdom, the telestial kingdom, is comparable to Earth okay. right now. Okay. So there's pain and suffering, but there can be joy. But it's like, okay, terrestrial is better than that. 
And then the celestial kingdom is like Euphoria. actual heaven. Yeah. You live with God and you live with your family forever. So even if you go to one of those lower kingdoms, you're not connected or sealed to your family forever. I have so many questions. I know. I have so many questions. I know. What if you don't want to be with your family? I know. Do you that have too. to? I don't know. I mean. Like what if your dad was extremely abusive? Do you have to? I mean, if you're sealed to him and he gets to go to the celestial kingdom, like if he repents. But I don't know if once you've had the gospel, like I did, and you say, I don't believe that. Yeah. I would go to spirit prison. I think I would have the opportunity to repent, but yeah. I would have to suffer and like cleanse myself in order to then go to one of the kingdoms. Got it. But hell, hell, fire and brimstone, that's different. Satan, hell, that's called outer darkness. Got it. And that's reserved for really, really evil people or people who have like seen God or the face of Jesus, like gotten really high up in the church essentially and then deny it. Like if you are someone that was Mormon, you decide later in life you're going to be post-Mormon and you drink coffee, you're going to the lobby. You're not going to outer darkness, right? You won't go to outer darkness. But I'm trying to think if you in the lobby, I is if you is, don't is repent. We're calling it the lobby. <laughs> you're going to go to the lobby, you're going to take a number. Just like elevator music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm picturing for thousands of and years. And I'm picturing until you take Jesus a ticket and it's like you are number 10 billion yeah. and they will he'll come when he can. Yeah. And like, we'll see what happens. And you're just sitting there with everyone. But I everyone. think the point is like, once you're in the lobby, when Jesus comes again and you see Jesus, you're like, oh, it was real. Yeah. Mormonism you're not is right. Deny it. You're going to repent and then go. Because but if you say, still, I deny you, then you're going to outer darkness. Question. So let's say I'm in the lobby and then Jedediah from Orem pulls my name and I'm baptized from the dead. Do I go straight to celestial? Mm-mm, you have to accept it. If I accept, I say yes, I'm already there. I'm, I'm going to say no. That's actually a really good question. I'm going to say no. It's there in front of me. Then you can get out of the lobby and go to the celestial kingdom. Yeah, do I go straight up all the way, or is it like oh, you see? That's this interesting because I don't because that you is need to cheating for everyone else how to live their whole life in Mormon. Yeah, and I live my whole life sinning, sinning, sinning. Babe, there's a parable about this. I'm spending my whole life sin, 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 and then a cute boy in Orem, Utah, baptizes my dead body, and I get to go straight up. There's a parable where if three people are in the field, well, one person's working on the field from the morning, one person comes midday, and one person comes at night, and then at the end of the day, they all get paid the same amount of money. Okay. And the person who's been there since the morning is like, hey, I've been here all day. Yeah. You should pay me more. I remember learning about this parable as what you just described. Even people who come to it later, they still get the same reward as yeah. people who, but then Mormonism I'm will I'm the say, one that came at 10 p.m. Yes. But yeah. Mormonism will say, well, the joy was that you had the fullness of the gospel the sure. whole time, your whole life. We are going to have to do some Googling because it's so complicated. Like I dead Wait, ass I served a mission another... and I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I feel like they might not want you to know. I think so. <laughs> because I, I've asked a lot of questions that I have to some of my other LDS friends that have served missions and they've done, and I will ask them these questions where I'm like, hey, I'm really confused about this. And they they can't yeah. answer it for me. And you know what? This question and you just asked me, I've recently, I'm not joking, I recently Googled it. It's like hard to Someone find, asked huh? me on TikTok and I'm like, I don't fully understand well, this. Well, because I've tried, I've tried looking too, because yeah. I want to know what do these people think of me? Mm. Because I'm in situations where I'm with some of these people that are thinking these things. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I would just like to know, do they think of me as like Satan? Or do they just think of me as dumb? I can handle dumb. I think they think of you as dumb, me as Satan. Yeah, that's so (laughs) messed. I mean, yeah, it's true. You're dumb. You'll go to the lobby. I'm just a silly girl. You're actually the devil. (laughs) Uh, I'm loving that I get that choice. I get to live my whole life in sin. You're telling me I get to chug coffee 
I could have sex at 14 years old and I'm still going up there? Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. It's crazy. Wait, I have a question. I don't know if this is true or not. If you can't share it, because I know it's like really secretive. Mm, Please. That's okay if you don't want to. I remember hearing once in high school, because me and my friend were young feminists, and we heard that when you get sealed in the temple, you get a name, and you can't go to heaven until your husband comes. Even if you die of cancer 20 years before him. Interesting. Is that true or not true? I wouldn't doubt if it's true. The thing that I know is true is that you go to the temple, you're given a new name, a secret name. Can you share yours or no? Yes, it's Tabitha. Tabitha? Tabby girl! Kind of cute. Kind of cute. I used to think it was Phoebe for some reason. I like got it in my brain as Phoebe and you have to like remember it to get into heaven. So I kept being <laughs> like... waiting for Phoebes? You're no, like, but listen to this. Listen to this. Bentley! <laughs> your husband knows your name, but you never get to know your husband's name. I heard that. So Why? your husband is like the keeper of your name, but you, you can't don't call ever him. get to know his. So I would always ask Bentley, and you're, this is so funny, Bentley, and I got in a fight about this because you're only supposed to ever say your temple name in the temple, and I would mm. forget mine. I always thought it was Phoebe. Yeah. And I would say to Bentley, like on a random day, what's my temple name? I can't remember. And he was like, I can't tell, tell you. you. We're not in the temple. And I was like, it's my fucking name. And you're like, tell me my name. Just tell me, please. So do you know Bentley's to this I day? I do now. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah, because but- he has told me since we left. But of course. According to if he never divulged his name, I would have never known it until maybe heaven. I don't know. But I don't know if Bentley needs to be to heaven first. For that me was the through. part that was crazy to me was that the husband has to call you and he calls you. You don't call him. Mm. And that kind of sounds true if you don't know yeah. his name on earth. Um, yeah, because you like need the But name. my question, yeah, was then and my friends and I were so confused by this. Does she have to wait in the lobby until the husband dies? Or can he like, you know, call it out in a prayer yeah. and she can go? Because that just seems so sad to me. Yeah. I think women have to wait until the man dies. Because a lot of times women die. I mean, they can die 40 years yeah. plus before their husband. Yeah. And then they're just hanging and out. And then they're just, they have to wait in the lobby. It's really interesting talking to you about this because crazy that I don't know some of this stuff. Like crazy yeah. that where I would go in the afterlife as someone who is now, I mean, when you're Mormon, it's just like, you're going to go to the celestial kingdom if you get married in the temple. So it's like, you don't have to worry about it. But I there think, is an, an ambiguity about it that seems very intentional. Well, and this is crazy, too, because I think the afterlife of Mormonism is Mormonism core to me. Mm. Because it's why everything matters. Mm. Like, why I would ask Alex, you know, like, well, why is this so troubling? Because I don't want to be in outer darkness. Mm. And it was like, the answer to everything was, uh, because I'm terrified when I die. That was so interesting because Catholicism, even though I wasn't super Catholic, I mean, I was, I knew everything about Catholicism because mm-hmm. I studied it for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, you go to mass every week, you study it in school. There's a religion class, like, you know, the ins and outs. Yeah. And there just was never that lingering fear. The Catholic God that I feel like I really knew was a very, very forgiving God. I mean, Jesus sat w- with the horse. Like he was very all loving. Jesus actually doesn't care at all. He loves you. I mean, he cares. He wants you to obey, but like, oh, he loves you. There's no doubt you're going to heaven. Emphasis Unless you are friendly, crazy. Like yeah. evil. Evil. Mm-hmm. Babe, you're going to heaven. Like malintentioned yeah, like, evil. Yeah. Uh, just pray rosary. Hail Marys. You're good. You're going right up. That's what was so crazy to me because I was just like, pray? I don't know. He's fine. Trust me. He loves you're everybody. Like, He's cool. I'm like, it's cool. The God I knew about, no, he loves literally everybody. He's obsessed with all of us. <laughs> he can't get enough of us. Yes. He loves us. He loves us so much. Oh, babe, you're going to heaven. There's no levels and there's no fear mongering of when you die, you better be ready because it was like, no, God's good. Like, he's obsessed with me. That was an interesting thing to learn about as I realized that that was really the core of all of it was that death. Because every time I'd ask Alex, well, why does this matter? It'd be like, 
well, yeah. Like, why do your parents care you left? Well, so when we die, like, you yeah. know, well, I remember you're bringing to mind a memory. They would put a string like across the whole room, like a giant string. And there would be the tiniest, tiniest little bead on the string. And they would say, this is your life on earth. Yeah. It's that tiny. And what you do while you're on that tiny, tiny bead is going to affect this whole string. So you were taught as a kid, everything I do, if I'm mean to my sister, if I kiss a boy, those actions are going to affect my entire eternity. And this is such a tiny, tiny blip. So you are taught that... Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. And you're taught that earth life, one of the biggest things you're taught in Mormonism is you are on earth to be tested. It's essentially a trial of faith. How good are you going to be? And then your reward is after you die. So it's just really ingrained in you. Like you got to do certain things. You have to follow certain commandments. You have to do the Mormon way. Yeah. And you better do it because that's a small price to pay for the rest of eternity. Yeah. If it's just a blip. As you were leaving, was death a really difficult thing for you to think about? It's interesting you're saying that about Alex because I think I deconstructed earlier than I give myself credit for certain key elements of Mormonism. And by the time I left, I had more of a perspective of God that you just described. Yeah. I was like, you know what? He loves us so much. He loves us. Yeah. And I don't think he cares if or they care if we're drinking coffee. I don't think they care if we're getting tattoos. It just didn't it didn't make sense to me. It was not rational to me. I couldn't reconcile that so by the time I left I already had that view of God and I think I had that view because my dad is an addict and suffers with alcoholism so from a very young age it was like if I take Mormonism literally my dad will be essentially punished for Mm. his alcoholism which was too painful which just didn't make sense yeah and And no kid can really go there exactly too hard exactly so I think I was already deconstructing that and had more of a the Jesus God as loving, compassionate, caring beings made so much more sense to me and felt so much better that even to this day, when I think about death, I think if Mormon God is the God, yeah. I'm going to be like, well, I don't like you very much. <laughs> yeah. So like, I guess I'll go to the telestial kingdom and just make do because it so deeply misaligns with my view of life and humanity and the universe even to think that there's a god that would care about those things about people yep that are just pretty objectively trivial in my mind totally so i love to hear that your experience with god and jesus was what you just described and i think it's so interesting to think about what that did for you as a human being to yeah. be told that the all powerful being of the universe he loves you so loves much. you so much yeah pretty much no matter what because you're not gonna yeah. murder someone like you're gonna you're gonna sin and they and sinning is not good like there it, it wasn't just all rainbows and butterflies mm. the god that i grew up learning about was like i just i remember just being like obsessed yeah he loves me yeah he literally died for he's me. He's got my back. Yeah. He literally died. I'm wearing this crucifix because we wear crucifixes mm. to show that he's literally so ins- obsessed with me. He loves me so much. He would, yeah. do, he would do this for me. And we're going to look at it and we're going to stare at him dying because that's how much he loves me. That was like the biggest takeaway for me with Catholicism. Like, of course, sin is still a thing. There's reconciliation, which mm-hmm. is very problematic with priest stuff. But um, like for a reason, because you do have to repent your sins. Again, like hell was just not a place unless you are a rapist, a murderer. You could cheat on your spouse. That's disgusting in my book, but you could 
repent for that and still go, you're going straight up. When I was learning about Mormonism and as I still learn about Mormonism, the thing that like always is so confusing to me is the afterlife. And then just that, gosh, this God feels so, does he love me or is he, Mm. is he mad at me? Yeah. (laughs) Like that's how I think I would feel if I was a Mormon going through this. Yeah. I think it's a very punitive God. And the, the thing that's interesting with Mormonism though, is there's kind of a mixed messaging because I learned about the atonement as the greatest sacrifice of love, as God, as all loving, but the love is conditional. There is maybe not the love, but there's so many conditions on living with God again. And there are just these really, again, trivial things that can put you in jeopardy of partaking of the fullness of the atonement and of God's love. That's why it feels very mixed messaging, because I think a lot of Mormons would relate to that view of God and of Jesus and would say that's the main reason they stay is because they have such a strong connection to this loving God and this loving Christ figure. It gets a lot more complicated, in my opinion, and in my experience of Mormonism. And even thinking about the atonement, I remember feeling not very much love when I learned about the atonement. I felt a lot of guilt that my sins had to be sacrificed for in such a like horrific gory way you're so sweet no no i i was like purr thanks baby (laughs) he took one for me i'm not doing that thank you thank you jesus thanks jesus thank you i don't think it is you're so sweet i don't think it's you feeling guilty over that i was like better him than me baby i literally (laughs) there's a reason i wasn't god (laughs) i literally think i was I think that was taught to me. I think that also just the heaviness of sins. I think I never really yes. thought that I was a sinner. Like, even though I was sinning mm-hmm. against Catholic even according standards. according to Catholic standards. Absolutely, yeah. I was. I mean, Catholics, you cannot have sex before marriage. Yeah. Catholic standards, that's a huge no-no. Yeah. That is like, you better go talk to a priest yeah. immediately. But you never felt that from, that's so interesting. No, I was like, I'll do a Hail Mary. Yeah. I would do my rosary. Like, I wasn't really Catholic in high school. Yeah. It was more like, but but even if I really thought about it, I just knew that like, it was going to be okay. Totally. And that also could have been my personality. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure if there's like I'm a sure devout a Catholic here being like, girl, no, you are not okay. Like that might've been my perception of it. But I mean, I don't, I just don't think it was all perception. I do think there was an undertone of like, it's going to be okay. It's okay though. Yeah. Well, I think this speaks to the spectrum that a lot of religions have Absolutely. that Mormonism Absolutely. doesn't really have. And that's why I think you asked such a great question about people who are publicly drinking, but going to church. That's really new for Mormonism. There's, I think a feeling that people are wanting to create a spectrum of Mormonism, but there's not any precedent for doing yep, so. Totally. Or for Catholicism, there is. There's- well, and also I feel like what's interesting with Catholicism versus Mormonism is like you guys still have prophets. They get words from God. And so like your rules could like technically change. Mm-hmm. No, no. Ours is dead. It, it was written in stone. Yeah, back. that's blasphemy. Yeah, that like that is change. crazy. Mm-hmm. That's like an interesting thing to me too. And it kind of leads me into wondering like, do you think things will change? I think it might. Yeah. I feel like it depends on it. I think it will eventually. My theory is it will get increasingly fringe, the Mm -hmm. Mormon church, as it diverges more and more from the mainstream of acceptance and inclusivity. It just is years and years behind always. I think it will eventually change, but I think it might be too little too late to protect it from being very fringe. Or potentially these people who are trying to make more of a spectrum yeah will they'll be successful and it. there will be more and of there'll a be a thriving spectrum yeah 
But the spectrum, I think, would have to happen. I want to do a segment with you where you come on to the podcast and just ask like your Mormon question. I could. I already have a list. No, we need to do that. Like I would love nothing more because I have so many questions, Haley. Because now that I'm, I'm an adult, it's very fascinating to me, and I just, I genuinely would love to hear your responses That'd be slash so open it up and be like, what do, like, what is your answer? Like, I yeah. actually really would love to know what people. That would be so fascinating because it's such a different conversation talking to someone who isn't steeped in the Mormon theology, but it's interesting to see what you picked up on too and like what stands out to you. So I feel like we need to do that moving forward. The last question I want to ask you is what it's like being surrounded now by so many post-Mormons. And we've talked about this because I've completely ruined your TikTok algorithm. You have, yeah, you destroyed it. Thank it's you. It's only ex-Mormon and like garment-friendly outfit yeah. TikTok. Yeah, you've absolutely destroyed it. <laughs> What's it like at this phase in your life to now be surrounded by, and I know you still have friends in the faith. I know you have obviously tons of people in your life who are not Mormon, never been Mormon. What's it like being, I mean, I'm around you all the time when the whole group is talking about post-Mormon stuff. What's it like being surrounded by this post-Mormon thing? Like, what does that feel like for you? It feels like how I explained I'd feel in the lobby. And part of me feels bad about that sometimes. Mm. It's like why I was trying to like ego you on and being like, wait, I'm going to just get sent up and you have to wait there. Mm. I feel so sad for people that have had to go through so much pain And like learning about, I'm going to cry, but like learning about the deep pain they had to go through. And like, I never had to go through that Mm. ever. And so it's a privilege to learn about everything as an adult because I didn't have to experience any of it. And so just the people I really deeply love, it's like really sad for me to have to hear these stories of really painful things they've had to endure, but I'm also deeply fascinated by it. So as I kind of feel this, like, it's not quite guilt, but it's, it's just deep sympathy. Mm. It's just deep sympathy. So I feel that on one hand, and then I feel fascination on another hand because post-Mormons are very, they, they study it. And so I can ask them a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas with my active Mormon friends, I feel like I can't ask them quite as much with like backing. Um, they kind of don't want to talk about it's some of my questions. Limits, yeah. yeah it, and it's just, it's more uncomfortable where post-Mormon, they entertain my fascinating mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just deep sympathy because I've... I've had to hear some really, really hard stories Mm. that just make me sad and make me feel like, gosh, I never had to go through that. And that's really sad that you had to go through that. Mm. But we're both in the lobby. Not me thinking that you were going to be like, yeah, it can get annoying sometimes that people are like, won't show Oh my gosh, no. I think it's the sweetest, most healing response of all No, I think it's fascinating and it's just, it's also deeply sad. So sweet of you. And I never thought you would respond that way, but I always think like, this has got to be... I'm sure that it's just like, okay, like, are we on the Mormon thing again? But you're such a wonderful, empathetic, sympathetic person. That's because nice. No, it's just fascinating. No, because you really feel it too. And I, I feel that from you and I appreciate it so much. And I say this on the podcast, but having people who have never been Mormon respond the way that you just did is so deeply healing and validating in a way that can only come from someone who hasn't experienced it. Because I'll have sometimes people DM me and say, I'm never Mormon. And 
they're listening because, and I kind of made a joke about this once on the podcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, Never Mormons, like, this is a true crime show for you, because <laughs> no, it's it like, crazy. <laughs> we're like, what? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I had someone write in, and they were like, I'm fascinated by Mormonism, but they said what you just said. They were like, it's also really sad. I really care. Yeah. And, like, I'm invested in this because it's, like, really hurt people, and, like, yeah. I care. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's so huge to hear as a Mormon and so validating as a post-Mormon to be like, my hurt, which so often you have to defend the validity of your pain yeah. to Mormons, yeah, to have that be validated just wholesale of like, that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have felt that way. Yeah. I didn't feel that way. You didn't need to feel that oh, yeah, way. Yeah, you didn't need that. You felt that way, but that's not how I felt. So it's not exactly. real. Exactly. Yeah. But to have you say, oh, I wasn't part of this. But and I can me see not that being pain. part of this protected yeah. me from so much of the pain that your husband experienced, that yes. some of your friends experienced. Yes. I think that's really validating to hear. And I really appreciate it. Oh, thank and you. I was thinking of you when I was saying that. That's really one nice. of the people in my life that I've had to like just hear stories from and know that, gosh, that I never had to go through that. And what a blessing that is that I didn't have to. I never had to think about the afterlife like yeah. that. I never had to think yeah, about that. I never that had fear. to see a bead on a string. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me as cry. As a kid. As a yeah. kid. I think about Esty a lot too when mm-hmm. I think of these things. And like, I can't imagine telling her that and like mm-hmm. feeling okay with telling her that. I think you spoke to that really beautifully. And I'm going to need you to come back on the podcast a million times. <laughs> the questions, We've barely scratched the surface. Oh my, I really do have a lot and I'm like blinking all of them also, now, but I have like less deep ones yes. that I'm just curious about. Like, I We're gonna have to, to get to the bottom notes. of the hell thing. I know there's people yelling at their in their car right now, like, "No, Haley, no, it's actually this it's or this. that." I know, and I want, and I'm sorry to people that are active Mormon listening. Please know that I'm I'm just ignorant. Like, I don't know a lot. Mm. I d- truly, I am learning this now as an adult. And um, a lot of this is through really not credible sources, aka everything I learn is from TikTok. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't like I. Yeah. Nothing I said is like, oh, this is no, what it totally. is because I don't. I'm. I've totally. never been to a Mormon church. Totally. I don't know what I'm talking totally. about. Yeah. We should do a segment where we take you to a Mormon church. Incredible. <laughs> You've never been. I've never been. You've never sat in a Mormon pew and no. like listened to I've been to, to the a... young woman's. The, it was in the yeah, church. Yeah, you went to the And it was the kitchen because it was like a baking night. Yeah. And I remember that. But I've never. No. Interesting. Maybe yeah. we'll have to go. I would love it. Um. Also, I was going to say. Thank you for having this conversation. I know it was so Mormon-based. I just want to acknowledge there's a trillion more interesting things about you. But because of this post-Mormon podcast, I centered your life story around Mormonism. I loved it. You're not even Mormon. I never talk about it, so it's fun. (laughs) I just wanted to acknowledge that. I'm like, there's so much more we could pick your brain about. And I want to moving forward because so many of those topics we could talk more about. But thank you for having the Mormon conversation. Thank for you for Girl having Scamp. me. Thank yes, you so much. I really appreciate it. I again, I think there's so much value in hearing the religious crossover experience and in hearing just what someone who has been quite close to Mormonism in just like actual geographical proximity, mm-hmm. what it's just always fascinating to me to hear like what stands out to you and the things you pick up on from the culture. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about Mormonism. That's what's really interesting about it. It's I learn about Mormonism from you and from what you picked up on. Oh, that's so interesting. In a way that I couldn't because of my position in it, you know? Yeah. So there's certain things I'm like, oh, I never would have even thought about that as someone who was Mormon my whole life. So I think that's fascinating. I think that speaks to 
your brain, which I'm just obsessed with. I love the way you think about things. I love the way you are able to talk about things and articulate things. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Can I leave one last positive? I feel like I just have to like say this. Yeah, please. But one of the biggest benefits of living in Utah and being surrounded by Mormons, Mormons are so nice. Mm. We live in the kindest state. Like I will go into a group. Oh, Everyone will say hi to me. Everyone is so kind to me. One thing I tell outsiders that don't understand what Utah is like is I'm like, no, Mormons are the best, especially not being in it because I don't have that difficulty that I talked about Mm. with you earlier about being post-Mormon that unfortunately post-Mormons have to deal with. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with. And so for me too, being not Mormon, Mormons are the best. I'm like, oh, so kind, so clean, so safe. Like everything about Utah being predominantly Mormon is also what makes it such an amazing state. Totally. So I also feel like that's another just thing I want to add to people that don't understand Mormonism and what it's like. It's not all just like the crazy hell dream we talked about. That's a great point too, because people ask me, well, why don't you move out of Utah then? And obviously it is a little different for me because of the my history with Mormonism. But honestly, generally speaking, Mormons are so kind to me. The best. Like yeah. I ran into a girl at the pool and she's like, what word are you in? I'm like, oh, I'm post-Mormon. She's like, that's awesome. So kind. Come hang out with us. And I think that that's worth noting. And I do think that that's part of what's so helpful. I was just talking about this on TikTok as well and separating what I think is a problematic and harmful institution from the people who are part 100%. of that institution. I feel like that thing, that needs to be like the the disclosure on every single thing talked about with Mormonism. Because every time I watch it, it is not the people. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, should say, I shouldn't say not ever, but I mean, 99% of the time, it is not the people. The people are fantastic. Yeah, totally. Kindest people in the world. Totally. It's a problematic institution at exactly. times. But the people, best people ever. Totally. I love living in this state because totally. of the people. Totally. So yeah, I think that's just, I just feel like I had to say that because I don't want anyone leaving this podcast that maybe is LDS to feel unloved or like they're not respected a hundred percent i feel like everyone just wants to be respected and heard and i just want people to know that even as post-mormons and non-mormons living in utah you are respected and valued and we you bring so much value the lds community is so kind and amazing i love that yeah and it's cool to hear that's been the majority of your experiences with mormon people yeah have been positive 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 especially adulthood like yeah all positive all college all of my friends that are mormon all positive yeah which is yeah. i think really important even my in-laws say. all positive yeah, yeah which is great and yeah. i think that that really is such an important again distinction and i appreciate you saying that thank you and You're i love best. you thanks i love for you being here this was the best yay thanks everybody for listening bye bye, bye. 